Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Joel Hess. Joel is a principal at Least Crunch. Least Crunch is a company which provides comprehensive cloud-based software solutions to help companies implement the new lease accounting standards, which is a much bigger deal than I even know. And so today, that's what we're going to concentrate on talking with Joel is, is these new lease standards and actually how Lease Crunch can help CPAs and their clients with, with these standards coming up. Uh, Joel, welcome to the Unique CPA. Oh, thanks, Randy. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate it very much. Great to see you again. Yeah, it's great seeing you too. It's uh, Yeah, we actually did see each other uh, recently. Some Oh, we were in uh, Park City, Utah. Yes. Still catching my breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was unbelievable. I go up three flights of stairs and I was huffing and yeah. puffing. I didn't realize yeah. they're what, over 8,000 feet high or something? Yep. Um, I, I've got family in Denver and it's 3,600 more feet above Denver because Denver is, uh, you know, 52, you know, you know, a mile high, obviously. Right. And, you know, this was 88,000 or 8,600, but it was, yeah, it took a lot out of me in, in adjusting. Oh, yeah. That was unbelievable. It was crazy. So, well, we could talk about that all day. It was fun. It was, it was yeah. great seeing everybody there. Um, but now that's some conferences this year and actually some more coming up in January, it looks like yep. as well. But so, Okay, but we can reminisce on the old day. In fact, that's where that's where you and I originally met was at a conference probably four or five years ago. Going well, actually going back to 2019 is because we uh, Lease Crunch launched in early mid 2017, and then we finally started going out to okay. a lot of these conferences and in 2019. And this was before the first uh, let's call it the non-public delay happened. So there was that scramble because everyone was supposed to be adopting. The new standard as of 1-1-2020. And then enough people, both CPA firms and their clients said, Hey, you know, we're dealing with RevRack. We need to push this back. And the and the FASB listened and said, Yeah, okay, you're right. We're, we shouldn't be stacking these pronouncements on top of each other like this, and uh, announced a delay for non-public entities to 1-1-2021. And then obviously the, the pandemic hit and the FASB quickly acted in April of 2020 and pushed the, you know, again, pushed that implementation date to January of 2022. And that's what we're facing because a couple of weeks ago, the FASB announced there are no more delays. I mean, there, there was a, uh, it was a, it was a FASB meeting, no more delays. So, you know, CPA firms and their clients are really gearing up to start implementing this as of 1-1-2022. So as you and I sit here, that's like ten days away. Yes. Once this uh, once this is out live, we will be living in a time where these standards exist, and and everybody. Well, I'll ask if everybody, at least certain companies, are going to have to comply with it. Give me an idea. I'm a tax guy. I've always been a tax guy. I was not an audit. I did not enjoy audit. I honestly don't even a big fan of doing accounting. But these standards in general. Tell me what this is and why it's a big deal and why everybody's, I guess, somewhat, somewhat your customers that the people that aren't customers of you are probably scrambling to get this implemented now. What are the standards all about? 
Uh, the standards are really about bringing operating leases onto the the balance sheet. I mean, if you really want to go back and do kind of you know a history of of why the new standard. I mean, we could you know take it back all the way to Enron and, and WorldCom, where a lot of these were off balance sheet and. I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but I think that was really the genesis of, of putting these leasing standards in place for organizations to get those future commitments onto the balance sheet. And it makes sense. But again, I don't think anybody was raising their hand, you know, going, pick me, let's, we got to get this onto the balance sheet, but it makes sense. And one of the FASB, actually last December, I sat in on a uh, on a FASB roundtable where they're talking about post-implementation review with uh, public companies and some very large private companies that it had it implemented. And they all agreed that they actually, it was a good standard. It was, it helped them, you know, help them, you know, better understand their leasing commitments. You know, nobody asked for this, but the overall perception is that it, it was a good standard and it's being applied correctly. And again, there's going to be some little things that uh, people are going to be upset about. You know, I only have one lease or I only have you know, a lease and it never changes or it never modifies. And, and we get that, but that doesn't change the fact that you're going to have to, if you're, if, if a CPA firm's client is issuing gap uh, financials, yes, they are going to, they're going to have to adopt the, the standard going forward. Okay. And, and so issuing gap, is that not just an audited financial statement, a reviewed financial statement, or just a financial statement in general, that compilation, that do compilations still exist? I don't even know. Oh, yeah, compil- <laughs> uh, you know compilations do, do exist. And I, and I, and I liken the, the, the compilation, and, I, and I, maybe I shouldn't say this, I liken it to uh, George Costanza putting together the Penske file uh, okay. in, in Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, I like um, it. Yeah, if you're, you know, like a review or an audit uh, that's being performed, um, that's uh, you know under U.S. GAAP, then yes, then they, you know, those organizations, you know, as long as it's material, we can talk about materiality here in a little bit. Uh, as long as that you know lease is material, you know, they should be putting those leases onto the balance sheet and then you know correctly accounting for them. So by doing that, so the whole goal then is just to show this future liability we have, and we've signed this lease. It's a multiple years. It needs to get on the balance sheet. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, simple definition of that. Yes. I mean, and the balance sheet is going to be impacted. I mean, if you take a look at, you know, our our most downloaded content piece was a side-by-side comparison. Under the old standard, you know, the operating lease is not on the balance sheet. You take a look now and you have a 10-year lease with, you know, $10,000 a month payments. I mean, that's a million dollars right there. And that can, you know, uh, and we could talk about banks if you want as well, but some banks are going to look at that and go, oh my gosh, you know, this company is out of, you know, out of covenants and, and this company, uh, boy, this is an opportunity for us to exit this industry or exit this organization. And some banks, again, I'm probably jumping or, you know, jumping ahead here, but oh, some banks are looking at this and going, you know what, we've already accounted for that. No big deal. It's an accounting change. We'll make the adjustments. Nothing's changing. Other than this, this is coming onto uh, this operating lease. This building lease is coming onto the balance sheet. Okay, and when we're talking leases, it's not just the property. I mean, not just the well, building lease, right? I mean, we're talking if I have a car, or if I have a coffee machine, or if I have, I mean, anything, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, you're, I mean, you're going to have to, uh, and, and you know, firms are going to help their clients get through this to determine. Yes, you know, is first of all, is that material? But what's interesting is the FASB didn't say 
hey, you know, here's the materiality guideline. This is actually a very judgment-based uh, standard. Uh, but what again, what most organizations are doing is they're they're applying their current PP&E guidance to you know determine materiality. So once you determine materiality, you know, look at vehicles, look at copiers, look at obviously the building and the real estate leases, healthcare. Oh my gosh, healthcare. MRI machines, refrigeration units, you know, the, some of those industries really lend themselves to a lot of leases and, you know, looking at restaurants, I'll tell a story here in a little bit about the restaurant industry is fascinating because again, they have a lot of these, what's called embedded leases, you know, where it's embedded inside of a service contract. And I did a demo for a CPA firm and uh, their quick serve restaurant client on the West Coast back in January. And the CFO was adamant. I've got 31 leases. I've got 31 real estate leases. And we were just talking, we were having a conversation about other services that the restaurant provides. And he's like, we buy the POS systems. I'm like, okay, POS systems aren't a lease. And he says, well, you know, we do have breaks, the armed personnel that comes by to all of our stores every other day and picks up all of our cash deposits out of their safe. I'm like, okay, well, wait a second. You said they're safe. Is it your safe or is it the Brinks safe? He's like, well, it's Brinks is safe and you know, it's called a smart safe. Well, needless to say, we went through an exercise to determine if that really qualified as a lease or an embedded lease. And he went from 31 leases to 62 leases because all those smart safes qualified as a lease and they checked the box on materiality. So he wasn't he was glad I helped him, but he wasn't my really my friend at the end of that call. <laughs> You're making enemies, the huh? Firm, the firm was happy. Like, yeah, yes. right, that's awesome. But we met the standards now. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's talk about, I mean, this is, seems somewhat daunting. We got coming up uh, the, you know, in, in, well, again, in 10 days from when you and I sit here right now, we're 11 days and we need to start to implement a program to start tracking these new lease requirements. How do you get going? Well, the easiest part part is what the FASB has done is they've actually put together you know some of these practical expedients, and that's a word that you'll hear in these policy elections where you can just basically take your current lease portfolio and not really change anything. I mean, you can um, you know they, they call it the the rule of three or the the three pack is you know something along those lines. Each person calls it something different, and then really just apply it to the new standard. So there's there are these practical expedients that are available to the end user that's going to make that transition a lot easier and less daunting, but you still want to be able to capture all of your you know, lease requirements. So looking for those embedded leases, going through that contract review, that's going to be the more daunting task because on average, it takes to review a contract. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to review a contract. And if you have 10, you know, hundred contracts, you're going to have to read through those. And what we've seen is that we've seen on average between 10 and 15% of those contracts do contain an embedded lease. So it is a worthwhile exercise that they should be doing. But then, you know, implementing the standard, this is where I think software really helps because those calculations, especially those weighted averages and those, those, those CPA firms that have tried to recreate that calculation, their clients that have tried to recreate that calculation can find out really quickly that they can get over their head. And that's where those calculations, you know, in the, in the disclosure are, I think one firm called it a monstrosity. Hmm. Oh. Okay, so so we need to start a program of implementation, but how do we even identify? So so a lot of people that I you know deal with because I'm on the tax side are tax individuals, and so 
you know, are they going to be able to identify? Are they going to understand this? I guess their firm might be working on the accounting as well or the audit, but, but how does a tax person see what they need to do here? I mean, the, 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 the tax individual, I mean, there's a lot of times where firms, you know, have, you know, just the relationship with, with their clients on the tax side, but they should be aware of the standard. I mean, not necessarily have to be able to apply it, but listen for asking the question is, you know, how are you handling the new lease standard? Because, you know, they're going to, they're going to take the information from the financial statements and then obviously, you know, you'll run through their uh, tax exercises based on that. So you want to make sure that your client has accurate financial statements so that they can you know, properly assess their tax commitments, if you will. Uh, so just being able to ask that question, you know, how are you handling the new lease standard? How many leases do you have? You know, just being able to have that conversation or, around you know, very general and not get into specifics and then being able to say, hey, you know what, we have a lease accounting group, a committee inside our firm, or we understand that this is a big deal for you. I'd like to introduce you to our, our lease accounting leader at our firm. And that's really that the tax person really has to do being aware that that it's being implemented now as of one one twenty two. So being aware of that implementation date, and then just being able to ask a couple of questions in terms of how they're handling it, because it does have an impact on the financial statements for their clients that again are issuing those gap uh, financial statements. And I'm uh, I'm going to be naive here, but when we're obviously talking gap financial statements and we're talking tax, there's probably a difference in the way this is treated. I mean, so you know, I, I'm assuming there's a tax and 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 gap difference on yes, and okay. and, and maybe your client and we're starting to see this because some you know CPA firm clients are are saying, you know what, that's it, I'm buying out my leases. I mean, that's that's reality. Or the other one is, I'm just going to go to a tax basis accounting. Uh, again, they might have to get approval from their banks, but that's something, you know, that's been a outcome of the new standard. So again, you know, I don't know what that transition looks like from a tax person. I don't get involved right. on that, but it's something that also the tax partner or the tax person assigned to an engagement, you know, might be, wow, is that, is that feasible? Is that, does that, you know, does changing uh, accounting methods from U.S. GAAP to a tax basis or a cash basis, I think I've heard also, does that make sense for, for my client? Okay. And you had mentioned before, you know, a firm having a, a, a lease technical group on staff, is that common or what size firm normally do you see that in? That's a great question, Randy. And one of the things that we've seen consistently across all the firms that we, that we work with, regardless of size, whether you're, you know, a top 20 firm, according to, you know, inside public accounting, or you fall outside that, that top 400, it's been consistent from firm to firm to firm of having some form of committee or some a carve out of a practice or something along those lines, you know, whether it sits in audit or client accounting services or advisory, but it's been consistent from firm to firm to firm that we've worked with, regardless of size, that they have some expertise on staff to help their clients implement this as well. All right. So that's, that's, I learned something there. So, so we are not obviously, you know, a sales pitch podcast or anything, but, but I think it's important to, to see what the solutions are. And obviously lease Grinch is one of them. And before I even talk about that, so I had Randy Johnston on the podcast uh, last week, we did a recording and I asked him his opinion of lease crunch. 
and it was all thumbs up. So, so we, 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 Randy was very uh, complimentary of the software. So obviously your software is your program, your, your, you, you in general are available. And so let's talk about, cause people need an answer. People need a solution. So how does least crunch uh, help with this? Or, you know, obviously any other ones, yeah. but least crunch is obviously the best. So. Yeah, <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And Randy Johnson, I appreciate the, the shout out I, uh, very much. So I think the, the best way to describe Lease Crunch is we are purpose-built for CPA firms. We do not want to go to market and try to capture every client out there, every direct client. We're purpose-built for CPA firms, first of all. So the CPA firm is then taking this to their clients. Again, the, the team here at Lease Crunch, we've spent some time in, in public accounting. I spent uh, almost five years between Clifton Larson Allen and Grant Thornton. And, we, and I saw firsthand how deep that relationship is between the CPA firm and their clients and becoming that quote unquote trusted advisor. So that's the first thing is that we're purpose-built for CPA firms. The other thing that makes Lease Crunch unique, very appealing to CPA firms is we're actually the only lease accounting software that allows for client accessibility. So instead of the CPA firm taking on the burden of all the work, there's going to be some some clients out there that are sophisticated or have the capabilities to you know do some you know some of this work on their own or they can collaborate with their clients. So you, you know, LeaseCrunch is designed with three workflows: the CPA firm, which is unfortunately reality taking on all the work, the client taking on the work, but then you have that middle piece where we're seeing a lot of successful implementations is collaborating with their clients, where maybe their clients will set up their account, their GL, the reporting entities, and the CPA firm enters in the lease information. And so the, it was, so we've seen that relationship work really well. And then LeaseCrunch meets all the requirements from a hosting perspective. So we're cloud-based. Uh, so it's not on the client's premise. It's not on the firm's premise. So that, you know, we're checking that box as it relates to the hosted solutions, uh, hosted services set forth by the AICPA. And then there's reports that can be run out of lease crunch that their clients can sign off on as a management assertion when the CPA firm sign, you know, when the CPA firm is doing all the work on behalf of their clients. So we check those boxes and that's, you know, those are some important things that were thought out in the design of Lease Crunch when we started going to market a little over four and a half years ago. Forgive me if I miss this, but I'm assuming it's everything start to finish. I mean, does it generate like the notes to the financial statement as well? Or how's that work? I mean, some of the, the, the main reports that get generated, the main reports that the, the CPA firm clients care about are their journal entries, their amortization schedules, and then most importantly, the footnote disclosure. And to tell a story here, the first time we took Lease Crunch out to the, the different you know, alliance conferences, and our co-founder and I were, were showing Lease Crunch to a group of it, you know, a group of individuals, and they saw the footnote being generated. And I personally had never seen a high five over or cheering over a spreadsheet. But <laughs> that's what Lease Crunch did. I was like, wow, okay, I I didn't expect that, but that's awesome. <laughs> Very nice. That's that's. Uh, I think I've high five over some tax things before. So, <laughs> so that, that's. I, I can relate for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to that ease of implementation. Um, a CPA firm. They had a client, uh, a hospital client in, in Atlanta with 450 leases. Now I get that this is a little, you know, on the extreme side, but this demonstrates of how easy it is to implement lease crunch between a manager at the CPA firm. Uh, controller, an assistant controller, and I believe it was one other, maybe a staff level person that had a staff, let's just call it a staff level person. They had 450 leases. They had public debt. So they had a deadline to meet. 
this was at the height of COVID. So, th- so think early Q2 of 2020. And you know, between the four of them, they were able to get 450 leases into Lease Crunch, their accounts set up in under a week. Wow. You know, it, when I look at what Lease Crunch is based on, it's based on two principles, ease of use and flexibility. All right. Well, that's great. And I can attest that uh, you're also good people. I've had more than one beer with you before in the past, yep. too. So anybody yes. I have a beer with, I can tell they're good people. So um, before I ask you a final question, any final thoughts on the just lease in general or, you know, this deadline and people need to be scared if they're in mid-January and they don't have a pl- something in place, are they going to get nervous? Any Any wrap up you got for anybody? Again, the, the the earlier you can start taking this on and, and and really just break this into chunks. I mean, you know, take a look at the first step. You know, okay, our first step, our current lease commitments. What's going to be transitioning from our current lease commitments to uh, the new standard? Two, take a look at your service contracts for embedded leases. Three, go through the process of evaluating software options. I mean, that's that's important. I will say of every CPA firm, again, regardless of size, they want their clients to be utilizing a software because like I said, those, those calculations, especially all the weighted average calculations in the footnote are an absolute monster. And one, if you revise one lease, you know, the, that's where those calculations really start to break down. And then from there, you know, implement, you know, you, you know, select that software that you're going to go with, you know, ask the right questions regarding that software in terms of accessibility, ease of use, Obviously, pricing is, you know, is is a factor, and then start the process of getting leases into your system. And again, it should go relatively smoothly, especially if you're applying those practical expedients that I talked about earlier. But it, that that will help with the ease of implementation and getting this handled successfully. And then your auditors happy, and their banks happy, and then and then you can take it, uh, you know, take it from there and and go into you know day two maintenance and whatever that would look like. Okay. So not too daunting. We can get this done. Yes. There's a lot of, you know, fear out there. If you got to get this done now and you should, but I think that that's been overplayed and that's just my opinion. You should be taking some time out to take a look at this, but also don't buy into the hype that it is, you know, that it is an end all be all. This is way too much, you know, too much work because the the people that have done this and the people, uh, the firms that I've done this with, you know, they're like, you know what? It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was work, but it wasn't this this tsunami or this wave or right. you know, that, that we were expecting. Okay. Well, good. Good. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask one last question, which uh, I've, I've said this the last couple of podcasts. I, for some reason, went away from this for a while, but now I'm I'm getting back into it because I think it's important. Uh, you know, when you're when you're not eating, sleeping, and dreaming about uh, leases, uh, <laughs> what do you do for fun? What's your passions outside of leases? There's a lot of passions, and unfortunately, I'm I, based here in Milwaukee. Uh, one of my biggest passions is baseball. I mean, I'm you know, I I still play. And for the past, this will be my 10th season. Um, I still play wood bat hardball, 90 nice. foot races, you know, overhand pitching. I will say as an older gentleman, uh, 90 feet is a long way away. <laughs> I, I turn a lot of doubles into singles, not the fastest guy, but I have an absolute passion for all things baseball. And I can't wait for the new season to start. Great bunch of guys. It's, it's, it's really 
you know, it's really helped me kind of relax outside of this because, uh, you know, uh, there is, there is so much going on in, in our industry, obviously. And then the other thing is, is music. I absolutely have a passion for music. I've started a, a you know, my daughter helped me get back into vinyl collecting. So I guess I, I could be a, a, a hipster, I guess, again, wow. I don't know. but I've turned my basement into a, a listing room. So I've got a nice vinyl collection started, you know, that my daughter and I are working on and curating together. And it's, it's, it's been an absolute blast. All right. That's awesome. Uh, baseball and, and music. And what do you think about the Brewers for the upcoming season? Well, first of all, I hope, I, I, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Because, yes, exactly. But, you know, the, the Players Association and the owners, they've got some work to do ahead of, you know, for a collective bargaining agreement. But I mean, the Brewers pitching is absolutely stacked and that's yep. going to carry you. Uh, they, they do need to figure out a couple of things on, on offense and hopefully Christian Yelich, you know, bounces back to, uh, you know, you know, MVP, some semblance of an MVP, MVP form, but with, with a pitching staff that the Brewers have both on the starting and the relieving, I mean, they should be favorites to win the division again. And I would think so. And you know, you're talking to a Cubs fan here. So I'm, uh, I had my run, you know, five years ago now, and it was very good, but we're in rebuilding mode. So yeah, I I got a feeling Brewers will be the class of the, of, of that division this year. So, all right. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you getting on. I didn't mention it before, but I appreciate you being part of our virtual conference that we ran earlier this month. Uh, I appreciate you getting involved with that. And if anybody wants to know more about you or get some more information about Lease Crunch, how would they get a hold of you? I mean, you know, the best, I mean, we have forms on our website, to, you know, go to our website, you know, www.leasecrunch.com. Uh, you know, we have a contact us form, you know, again, you know, willing to answer any questions that, uh, you know, anybody has regarding the new standard regarding our software, leasecrunch.com will be the best, you know, best place to start. So if, and I was navigating around that today, it was a very nice website. So, all right. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us today. And you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode, where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios. 